Hey guys, great news. Thanks to our partner Beta, this week we're giving away Withings Body Plus Wi-Fi Smart Scales. This scale has high accuracy and full body composition. Body Plus includes coaches, rewards, and it automatically sends all of your data to the free HealthMate app. With tools at hand such as trend screens and nutrition tracking, the Withings Body Plus Wi-Fi Smart Scale is the perfect way for users to track and achieve their weight loss goals. Enter this week's giveaway at www.mission.org giveaway for a chance to win a free Withings Body Plus Wi-Fi Smart Scale. Or if you want to purchase, go directly to www.withings.com and enter Mission Daily 20 to get 20% off the Withings Body Plus Smart Scale. This code is only valid on withings.com or visit your nearby beta store. Welcome to Mission Daily. On today's episode, Stephanie sits down with Molly McHugh, writer and expert on information warfare and CEO of Fiona Strategies, a consulting firm that advises governments, political parties, and NGOs on foreign policy and strategic communication. On this episode, Stephanie and Molly get right into discussing disinformation campaigns, aka fake news, and how to identify bad actors online. The first example provided is Area 51, a Facebook-organized event where it is unclear as to who is hosting the event and what their motives are. Now there's this really weird campaign that's primarily Facebook-based about like invading Area 51 and and discovering the aliens, and it's sort of like... There's like a million people that are signed on for this crazy thing in September. And it's really hard to know with some of the stuff at this point, if it's silly prankster hooligans or kids who just think it's funny, or if this is actually some other effort, you know, is it, um, because sometimes with stuff like this uh, and with some of the campaigns that Russians and others have run where it's sort of fake events or a fake contest or quizzes or other things like that, you know, the whole point is sort of to get people to voluntarily associate their information with specific topics. So you kind of mm-hmm. know it's more of a targeting thing. Like who are, who are the people who are interested in this kind of stuff and who can we target with other things who mobilizes for different causes? Oh, wow. So it's just, sometimes it's just hard to know. And uh, I'm sure it's a vast headache for the military and intelligence guys that have to track all this stuff. There's always these little things happening in bits of the uh, uh, sort of social media atmosphere that are hard to know sort of what it is or what it's trying to achieve unless you kind of watch it over time. I think part of the problem, especially on analyzing some of the 2016 stuff uh, and as it goes forward, in some places, the merging of hostile foreign intelligence capabilities uh, over a landscape of domestic disruptor um, outlets and personalities and other things, um, it's hard to sort of separate out, which is not to say that they're coordinated, but just that Russians and others know how to leverage specific topics uh, and sort of narrative uh, themselves. But everything gets real messy. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. How would you go about trying to find the truth behind these campaigns? Trying to figure out, like, are they really just trying to organize groups around things to be able to target them afterwards for initiatives? How do you figure out if an initiative is true? Like the, you know, going towards Area 51 type of thing. Like, is that real or is that just something fake that's just happening to try and like organize people to rally around something? How can you get down to the bottom of that? Well, I think there's there's different ways of kind of looking at authenticity. And one is sort of origin. Who is the person that started it? What is the thing? Where does it come from? Is it like some weird group page or is it a real person? Um, are there real people associated with it? What kind of amplified it on the internet? Was it, you know, a series of low follower, low profile accounts that have just sort of spread it over time? 
does there seem to be sort of automated activity on the topics or hashtags or other things? So there's kind of a, a realm of different things to look at if you're trying to figure out what's real and what's not. I think the problem is often that on some of these things that become, it may have been a real thing, and then others sort of figure out how to get in there and exploit mm-hmm. a landscape or sort of vice versa. Maybe it wasn't real, but real people are associating with it. And uh, it just, like I said, it just kind of gets messy and chaotic. But I think the key thing is sort of to figure out origin point in a lot of cases. And then I think on all of this stuff, the important thing tends to be not just like, is something true or not? And I think this is the problem that everybody gets into when the focus is on the silly term fake news. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not really about what is true or not. It's what is the purpose of that information at that exact time. And I think this is where when you look at things like WikiLeaks and other leaks and hacked materials uh, like the stuff in Puerto Rico right now, the question is always like, where did that come from and why? Like, what was the purpose of doing this now? And who put it there? And what was the intention of the person that put it there? And that really matters. And it's this sort of series of painful discussions I've had with journalist friends in the last few years. It's like, you know, if a Russian intelligence officer hands you information and it's a really good story, do you write it? Because Mm -hmm. yes, it might be a good story and maybe you're verified it in another way, but why do they want you to write that story and shouldn't you have to consider that? And the answer for most journalists is no, because it's a really good story and you have to print it. And this is not just the Russians, you know, the Israelis have done this for a long time. Obviously the Iranians have good injection points into the US as well. Like everybody does this in different ways. But when there are specific types of information that are clearly meant to blow up a landscape particularly during an election in specific ways. It's just there is still this very low awareness of how to deal with weaponized information, whether it be a document or a social media campaign. Got it. Yeah, completely agree. And I'm thinking for especially for consumers when, you know, this information is coming at them a mile a minute, it seems hard to figure out how to get to the root of like where the information is starting from. Are there tools and things like that? Because for me, I'm like, it's hard enough to figure out if, you know, an Instagram follower is real and like looking at their page and being like, oh, OK, they have 10 followers. That one's obvious versus, you know, maybe a, someone who's bought followers. Like it already feels like a process just to look into one source thing and to have to think about that all the time. How, I mean, how do you even wrap your mind around like how do you get to the bottom of things if you're ingesting maybe like 10 to 20 articles and you know, social things every single day. How do you frame your mindset to actually get to like the source of like, where did this originate? Are there tools or methods or ways to think about it? Yeah, there definitely are. And I think one is sort of like, if you are already aware that this is a thing that is happening in a variety of different landscapes in the US, then you're already like a step advanced on the casual consumer of news. And sometimes it's just, it's the awareness issue of, okay, if you're hanging out in your Twitter feed and suddenly the same story or fact or video clip or whatever is posted like a zillion times from everyone. Like, what is that? Where is it coming from? What's the purpose of this? Is it like a full video? Is it a weird edited clip? Like, what is the thing? And just sort of the the questioning of information that appears in front of you. I think in general for everyone, and this will not happen, so it's a complete pipe dream, But not outrage tweeting or posting on Facebook or Instagram or anywhere else um, is really important. Like the thing, there's been good analysis on this on the left and on the right. The thing that spreads crazy information and in the case of like Trump and his worst statements at at rallies um, and some of these other crazy campaigns, the thing that spreads it more than the ecosystem that supports him is people outrage tweeting it. So mm-hmm. sort of responding with anger. And so for a good example of that, um, and 
I and the guys that I was working with then did a little case study of it. But after the Parkland shooting, there were all these crisis actor stories that Parkland was fake and the kids were fake. And they were actually actors pretending that there had been a school shooting, which is obviously totally loathsome. One of the key stories for this that was being spread around the internet was from uh, Gateway Pundit, which was horrible. And the thing that amplified that story on Twitter was progressive side of Twitter celebrities and verified accounts angrily posting that story saying this is an outrage. Um, That was the thing that accelerated it around the internet and gave it a lot more air, not the supporters of Gateway Pundit, which was, it's just an interesting thing to look at in terms of what content is. And it's like, it's a debate that we frequently have, you know, in the last week, there's been this debate about how do you respond to racist comments from the president? Do you denounce them? Do you air them? Do you not air them? Do you not give them more airtime? And I think for everyone, you kind of have to make that own decision for yourself. But in general, do not post things just because they make you angry or think about why, and what it is, what you really need to say, put some context to it. You know, don't just say this is garbage, you know, but yeah. really explain what the thing is or just don't, just don't spread it, which tends to be where I try to caucus on those things. But it's, it's very complicated. So there is this sort of aspect of understanding what trends stories Um, But I think the other piece is that if you have time, check the source on a thing. What is it? Is it a real news story? Is it from some blog you've never heard of? The biggest factor in all of this in terms of realness, authenticity, et cetera, and this is really where platforms could, you know, help if they wanted, is just limiting the ability to create fake identity accounts. And so Mm -hmm. things pretending to be other things, not just like, you know, Al, no bio, posting some video, but when it's a person pretending to be a, uh, military wife, you know, Second Amendment supporter, Jesus, Jesus, eagle flag in the bio, whatever it is. Uh, somebody yeah. pretending to be an authentic American, spreading information about how Democrats are awful socialists and Trump is sent by Jesus to save us. You know, those kinds of things. Boy, wouldn't it help if those weren't on the Internet. And um, the ability of the platforms to have verified Uh, identity information on accounts or require different kinds of verification on identity would really help, but they're not going to. So I think there is this sort of dark dystopian um, landscape of things that people have to wade into. And I think the core of all of it is, uh, and this is where the U.S. really sucks in terms of providing any sort of defensive capability to its population, is an understanding of narrative. You know, Mm -hmm. what is the narrative of the Russian state in targeting different populations in the United States? What is the narrative of the alt-right in trying to inject white nationalist crap um, into a more normalized media environment for itself? Um, You know, what is the landscape of extreme environmental causes in trying to convince people of X, Y, Z? Whatever it is. But there's just not... This is not something that's focused on. It's not something our media covers well. It's not something we're particularly um, aware of or sort of prepared to believe. If you're in a European country that has been targeted by propaganda and disinformation in a more consistent way over time, there's higher awareness of what this looks like and what it's trying to achieve. And in the U.S., we're just we're a very optimistic open-minded population. And that's really great, but it also makes us really vulnerable in terms of um, being targeted with these types of campaigns. So we really need to step it up (laughs) in terms terms of helping our nation uh, be more aware about this. The problem is, of course, the time to have done this would have been after 2016. And boy, doesn't this administration have zero interest in uh, doing any of that. 
like if the government can't step in and maybe help tell this story in a way that connects to, you know, people in the U.S. where they remember it and can kind of see a case study from the past and where it actually, you know, it's it's a, in a story that shows them like, here's what happened. Here's the facts. I feel like I haven't seen that somewhere where it presents it in a way that is not biased in a fact based way of like, here's the exact situation. Here's what happened. We all saw it. But here is, you know, good research actually showing the source behind things. And here's what happens when you get targeted. I think if you put it in that kind of format, it would be easier to relate to because it seems like every time I've ever seen a story about it, it's always, you know, in the opinion of someone from the left or someone from the right. It's always in a different voice that it's hard to know what to believe. But then, you know, that comes to the question of like what institution or party should help address this in a way that's not biased. Do you have any thoughts around who can help tackle this problem and bring um, yeah, these case studies to light in a way that Americans will remember? Well, so there actually are a lot of them written up in like very specific geek focused areas that, you know, yeah. those of us that work on these things know them and can describe them. Um, they're not done very well in the garbage landscape of American media. There are some podcasts and very specific things, some good Twitter accounts, but so there are some very specific things that sort of document the stuff and try to put the information out in ways that people can consume. But it tends to be in those sort of you have to select to, to learn it um, categories. When it mm-hmm. comes to the big network news, there's occasional discrete stories like the thing about the Parkland kids or uh, maybe like this one specific smear spread against a candidate. Like sometimes there's a very specific sort of forensic analysis of a very small piece of information. But you're mm-hmm. right. I think there is not great um, analysis being done in a way that the public can consume on topics that aren't seen as super partisan or trying to make it look like, you know, all support for Trump is really just the Russians or whatever else. Yeah. And I think people just get really tired of it. And I think this, the the kind of it's all Russian bots lameness that became a thing after 2016, like that was the excuse for everything suddenly, was not mm-hmm. helpful to anyone, even when it was Russian bots, because um, now that's become the excuse for, oh, come on, you're just talking crap. Like, this is not, like, you yeah. don't really know. Nobody can really figure it out, you know, whatever. It's really not helpful. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, it seems like there's definitely room to have, yeah, good studies that aren't, like you said, geek focused, where anyone can consume them and kind of understand, you know, the basis of what happened. And then also maybe just tools to be able to help the average consumer consume things in a more intellectual way where they can see the source behind things and where it started and, I think there was someone we had on the show a few weeks back who's working on like a blockchain style thing where people can vote on if news is accurate by looking into the credibility behind things and kind of using the blockchain for um, spreading news in a more ethical way. Yeah, it's just I think there are some some really good examples that, again, if you pay attention, you know, um, the one that I discussed earlier, which was JTOM 2015, um, there's been really good documentation done of a lot of data over a really long period of time about the spread of anti-vaxxerism and how that kind of started with this one guy and how it spread across the internet and became sort of an entrenched thing in mommy blogs and sort of uh, alternative health sites and things like that. I think there's a really good research of that and, and the various lanes that that has spread through. Um, mm-hmm. I think the problem is in many of these, many of the best case studies, um, the people who have been targeted by this information really, really believe it. And very few of them want to believe that they believe something other than because it is true. It's a really, it's sort of the basic fact of all of us through all psychological research is 
if you're shown information and that's the thing that you think is true, it doesn't really matter if somebody debunks it. Most likely you're still going to think the first thing is true. And sometimes yeah. that can change, like the whole process of sort of, you know, de-radicalization or, um, you know, the best, I think that the best U.S. context examples of how to do this relate to getting people out of cults. Um, but how do you sort of de-radicalize the way people um, interact with a set of information that's not true? It's a really challenging process. I think the problem with social media is super great tool for creating extremists or radicalizing populations, really crappy tool for de-radicalizing or de-escalating conflict on various topics or creating mm -hmm. unity or cohesion or community or whatever you want to call it. That doesn't actually work that way, except in very discrete contexts. But once you have radicalized a population online, it is really hard to fix that online. Like you kind of have to do it in person and physically, which is a totally different challenge set, of course. So is there anything else that you wished we asked you that we didn't yet or that you were hoping to talk about? You know, no, I think we covered a lot of ground. I, I think the, the biggest frustration, the sort of biggest threat right now in this whole space is Social media companies going to keep showing up pretending like it's their first day. Oh, we didn't know. You know, just tell us what the problem is and we'll help you fix it. Yeah, okay, guys. That's a challenge. Um, but I think the, the other piece of that is now as they try to, quote, create solutions to news deserts in the United States and, and uh, how things are spread on the Internet and the way that their algorithms are purposefully trending horrible, Nazi, terrible content in various yeah. ways. It's that the increasing reliance on automated tools and AI, uh, which so far have not shown that they have the ability to deal with this stuff in a real way or have any judgment on what is a good versus what is a crap radical story. I think there's really going to be danger in this time period where there's this push for automation because the scale is just such a problem on, on almost all really good research on even a discrete information campaign where you're trying to figure out what the hell this is, how did it spread, who are the people spreading it, um, is it real or not, it requires eyeballs looking at it and somebody actually looking at all of the accounts and kind of looking at what the origins of these campaigns are. It's not something that's automatable yet. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the, if you look at where the money is going in research, um, it's into essentially automated social media engineering defense. So looking for cam campaigns of information online that are trying to have a behavioral reaction on the population that they're targeting and then cutting it off using another automated thing. And this whole thing where we're talking about like AI versus AI and in the middle is human cognition is just a landscape for disaster because there are real consequences on the way that people think and how they make decisions. And sometimes it's very hard to unravel those. It's not just as simple as saying, oops, that whole story was fake. Like that doesn't actually fix anything. Like yeah. in theory, the morons that invented QAnon came out and said, oops, all fake. Ha ha. We just thought it was a joke which now, like, they, I think has been retracted. But in theory, the guys who invented QAnon said it wasn't real. And there's still many, many QAnon believers showing up at Trump rallies wearing their Q gear. So, I mean, you can't really just turn this stuff off, even if you think it was sort of funny and a joke. So I think there's that aspect, like the, the automation issue is just a really hard one when there are not honest partners from the, the sort of private sector engaged in this. And I think the other bit is just the, everybody thinks this is what you need to win now. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, certainly on the Republican side, because the companies that um, were engaged in 2016 and the individuals, I mean, there's a reason Brad Parscale is running 
Trump campaign, and it's because all they are doing is targeting information online. 100% of their campaign is Trump saying crazy things and then targeting people online with information. And on the Republican side, there are now these sets of sort of advisors and companies working on campaigns that are all doing exactly the same thing. But it's not just them. The left yep. in the U.S. now very much believes, you know, you have to bring jihad to the jihadis. We need the same set of tools and tactics. And during this campaign cycle, you will see a number of these crazy campaigns that you will not understand. What the hell is this? Why are people supporting this wacko bird candidate? What does this mean? And it's everybody playing 5D chess in their head in terms of like how you move over to windows of belief in one direction or the other. Um, and sort of change the landscape of tolerable information in America. And it is completely unethical. You do not buy up Americans with deceptive tactics. If you were in the military, it would be illegal. It is not allowed in the code of conduct. Um, I've written on this sort of extensively and proposed a sort of series of civilian influence operations, sort of code of ethics for social media influence operations. But this idea that you can just sit online and run deceptive campaigns targeting Americans, and there's not going to be a cost to our society and our unity and our communities and our politics is madness. And um, I understand the frustration on the left that this is being used on the right, but the answer is not doing it yourself. And I, so I just, I really worry about the information landscape that is inundating us until we just turn it all off. <laughs> No, no, um, definitely not. (laughs) So the the awareness piece is really important. I think those are the only things I would add to um, to where we are. But none of that is particularly prescriptive, I know. So uh, sorry. That's okay. There's a lot of work to do. And uh, that's with a lot of things in life. So hopefully there are some good actors out there who are trying to tackle the root of all these problems. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you very much. Mission Daily and all of our podcasts are created with love by our team at mission.org. We own and operate a network of podcasts and a brand and story studio designed to accelerate learning. Our clients include companies like Salesforce, they're a customer times five, Twilio, and Katera who work with us because we produce results. To learn more and get our case studies, check out mission.org slash studios. If you're tired of media and news that promotes fear, uncertainty, and doubt, And if you want an antidote to all that chaos, you're at the right place. Subscribe here and to our daily newsletter at mission.org. Each morning, you'll get a newsletter that will help you start your morning and your day off right. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.